Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Monday, March 8th edition of the Monday Check-In. My name is Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Excited to be here with you, Damon, and, and also with our 17 loyal listeners. That's right. And their associates. And their associates who no doubt will forward this on to all of the people in their email contact list because of the high quality of biblical study and uh, frankly, our humorous approach to it, which is just mm-hmm. infectious. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> it hasn't gone viral yet. So that's a good question. Why, why aren't they? Yeah, what do we, what do we miss? What's the secret viral ingredient that we're missing? A dancing bear. Oh, well, could be a while. <laughs> or a dancing baby. Yeah. I mean, I do have a bear that I'm training, but is, she's not quite to dancing phase yet. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. The dancing so, baby is just what, well, yeah, I'm my, out of the running on that. That's my daughter's like, 11 now. So it's a little. <laughs> We're a little past the cute dancing baby phase with her. Now we're yeah. in the dancing preteen, which is um, a different thing. Though sometime soon, I might be able to start recording these again from the porch. And then maybe we get some squirrel visitors again, like we used to. Those were fun. Those yeah. were fun. We haven't seen baloney for a while either. I I actually think we've had a spike on every episode that baloney has appeared in. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of, she's mellowed out, I think. I think she's kind of gotten used to it. Well, for those uh, who are listening who don't know what we mean when we say baloney, that is, uh, in fact, Damon's cat. So. <laughs> yeah, not a <laughs> composite meat thing. No, no. no. Is, is baloney a, comp- a composite meat? Is composite? I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's like made from multiple parts of the animal. Yeah, that's 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 ground down and then reconstituted yeah. into a meat patty. Yeah, right? I call that a composite meat. Composite meat. <laughs> No. That sounds good to me. I'm not going to argue <laughs> with you. Somebody, I'll probably get in trouble about that. Uh, at any rate, so uh, what we do on the Monday check-in is uh, we have uh, we take a look at the scripture that's for the upcoming Sunday, and so this upcoming Sunday, I believe, is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and so we'll take a look at the scripture for that. We'll read it. We'll have a little chat, a little mini study in regards to that scripture. And then following that, we switch gears and uh, and we share a little bit of the life of the church at First Pres, what's going on, uh, what folks should be aware of or would like, might want to be aware of, how they can join in, those sorts of things. So uh, that's the plan. And we'll start with a prayer and I will offer that prayer. All right. Let me, and gracious God, let your spirit dwell among us as we continue this season of reflection, this season of repentance, this season where we um, we really spend 40 plus days um, considering our lives and how we live them, how we fall short of your glory and how we might turn and move in ever more loving, ever more just, ever more peaceful ways. As we gather in this way to study your word, let our eyes be opened so that we might recognize 
the risen Christ in our midst. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for this upcoming Sunday, the fourth Sunday in the season of Lent, we have uh, selected verses from John chapter 3. One of verse in particular is going to be very, very familiar to people, even if they've only ever watched football games and never gone to church, they they will know this verse. Uh, The other verses... Because that verse is so familiar, uh, folks might not be as familiar uh, with the other verses. So I, I would encourage people to listen, uh, listen to the whole thing and uh, don't let your ears get sucked too far into the thing that you already know. So uh, this is from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And it reads this way. This is Jesus speaking. And just as Moses lifted up the servant, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned. But those who do not believe in him are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Here ends this reading. Greg, what do you got? I I was thinking, of course, John 3.16 is the verse that Damon was alluding to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life, which uh, is a very familiar verse. Uh, a lot of football players on their uh, eye, what is that called? Mm. There's a word for know. it. It's like yeah. the... the the, the, the darkness that they paint underneath their eye or put tape mm-hmm. underneath their eye yeah. to hopefully absorb the light so they can see more clearly. And uh, there was a football player, Tim Tebow, who had John 3.16 etched into his eye. I'm going to call it makeup. <laughs> I don't think that most football players would appreciate you calling it makeup. There's a word for it. Uh, I was sure talking there. with somebody, but sometime in the last month, I've had a conversation with somebody about this. I accoutrement. Accoutrement. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Core. But uh, I mean, I think baseball players would just call it eye black. Eye black. I think that's actually what the word I was looking for. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, anyways, so on the eye black for football players, but also people will hold signs at football games that say John 316, that sort of thing. A very familiar verse, and I, I was just sort of wondering why, why, why John three sixteen? Why not John three twenty one? But those who do not, or who do what is true, come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen their deeds have been done in God. What is it about John three sixteen that has become this verse? And and in some sense, John three sixteen is a bit of a summary of of part of the gospel message. It's a succinct summary of that and so it makes sense that that would sort of be one of the uh 
key easy verses for people to remember and repeat and put on signs and put on eye black and that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot of other really rich stuff in this passage that uh, is deserving of our attention in addition to John 3.16. And particularly my, my eyes were drawn to John 3.21. Those who do, do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. And it does play with these themes of light and darkness, which uh, the Gospel of John does from its very first chapter. Uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word, you know, and we get into some mm -hmm. light. Uh, yeah, and the connection to Genesis, uh, you know, right. yeah, from that the word of God is the, is the, you know, God speaks and there's light and that sort of thing. Yeah, and so I do appreciate the way that this wrestles with those images of light and darkness. Um, relative to knowledge of and belief in uh, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the part that is sticking out. To, you, you you sort of started to draw this, not necessarily contrast, but you know, what's the difference between 16 and, and 21? Um, and verse 16 is, is about belief. Um, everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. It reverses, and then as it starts to switch and it starts to talk about light in 19 through 21, then there's a lot more focus on deeds, right? Yes. Uh, you come to the light so that so that others so that your deeds might be seen, right? That you you haven't done been doing things that you want to keep hidden that you don't want others to to know about or that you don't want God to know about, perhaps in particular, um, and and the light exposes all of those things there's um there's a, a nothing to hide kind of <laughs> sentiment i think in verse 21 um well it's also um the, the fancy word for it is orthoproxy instead of orthodoxy right ortho being belief and proxy being practice so it's the it's the belief aligning with the practice as opposed to orthodoxy which is just the 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 belief um and and so we are called as Christians uh, into this into this world of orthoproxy, right? To proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. Um, yeah. And we shouldn't be skimping on the words, but we also shouldn't be skimping on the deeds. <laughs> and y'all have heard me say this before, but in my 20s, I leaned really heavily into the deeds and less heavily into the words. Um, and looking back on that, there were, I, I missed opportunities to share a little bit about um, my faith and about the love that God has for the world that's described in John 3.16. I certainly was trying to enact that love in the world, and uh, there, but I had opportunities to share why I was doing that and to share what my motivation was. And I think uh, there were times in my 20s where I, I probably missed out on those opportunities. I've said this before too, uh, but there's a, there's a, quote attributed St. Francis of Assisi that you, we are to preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think in my 20s, I thought words were less necessary. And in my 30s uh, and now in my 40s, I think there's, there's a balance, right? It's the proclamation of the good news in word and in deed. And John 3 here summarizes that it, it, it is orthoproxy. It's both the belief and also the deeds that accompany that belief system, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think that this passage also ties into and 
how we think of salvation and, and what we, how we imagine ourselves being saved um, or not saved or, and what, what are, what are the conditions that, that trigger such a thing? Um, and, and there's, and I think in thinking about that, there's always this tension between words and deeds. Um, it's the, I mean, well, you and I both went to Lutheran undergraduate institutions um, and they've all, man, all the time in our religious classes, justified by grace through faith, that <laughs> um, it wasn't a deeds thing. Um, but then we also have, we also have the book of James uh, that talks about faith without works being dead. And, and what is the value um, in, in right belief without right practice, as it were. Um, and I think part of the reason that, that, you know, 316 really sticks out for folks is that it, um, I believe and I'm saved and, and I like that. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay. But there's also, there seems to be something going along here with that I'm guessing might have informed folks' thoughts and opinions on predestination and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because mm -hmm. they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Uh, and so, yeah, certainly, uh, and, and the, the theology of predestination is uh, fodder for probably a multiple hour podcast <laughs> that is not a Monday check-in, uh, but um, both believers in predestination and skeptics of predestination will look at different Bible verses that speak to that. And I would, I would agree with you that John 3, 18 uh, would be one that those who believe in predestination would pull out and say, see, look, this is one of those verses that does suggest, in fact, that uh, there are some, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, this also strikes me as a passage where a person might be motivated to get out their uh, Greek lexicon and look up the word, how, what is this word that's being translated as believe? Uh, and in its, in its original Greek, does it mean what we kind of think believe to mean? Because um, it's very, a, a, clearly a very central word <laughs> to yeah. this passage. Are you suggesting that be a direction that the sermon possibly goes on Sunday, Damon? No, I'm gonna guess I'm not suggesting. It's just a, I don't have mine handy. <laughs> um, well, let me pull it up <laughs> since we're here. <laughs> because it is such a, a, a foundational word in these verses. Um, but there's always context. To these sorts of things um well and 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 you know um even the context of uh the passages right around john 316 we we often focus so much on john 316 which again is a, is a pretty good summary of of part of the gospel of part of the good news and yet uh it's important to also read what's around it before and after it uh to fully get what the author was getting at or what Jesus was getting at when he spoke these words, right? Mm -hmm. So if I switch over here to the Greek, um, 
it uh yes it's uh pis pistus which is which is that classic greek word for belief right hmm. um now is that would that be a same i don't know why i'm putting you on the spot like this <laughs> same root word as like epistemology which is like how we know things correct yep okay yep and it's the same pistus uh or in this case, pistuion uh, is used in 315, 316, 318. Um, so it's 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 using the same word repeatedly as as you pointed out, an important word for us to focus on. But it might be interesting to explore uh, that word and how that word is used. That whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. He who believes in him is not judged. You he who does not believe has been judged. That sort of thing. Huh. That could be an interesting direction to take the sermon, not one that I was thinking of before we sat down to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's uh, when you read this, there's two words that kind of jump out. One is belief or believed, and one is light. Yes. All right, those are those are the I'm going to guess without doing a word count are the words that that pop up most frequently. Um. And that says something <laughs> about them. You know, when you're reading a passage, the, the word gets used over and over again. That might be an important word. <laughs> yeah. And I had, uh, I've been playing with the themes of, of light and darkness. And then also the, the, the theme of orthoproxy is an important one for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that's sort of where I was playing around with this uh, in thinking about it. Uh, but belief may be another one to to riff on a bit. We're we're in the season of Lent, of course, and so uh, we are journeying with Jesus to the cross. And um, this Lenten sermon series that I've been preaching uh, is about the power of sacrifice uh, and how Jesus models self-sacrifice for us uh, as a way of of really authentically living our faith. Which, of course, is again grounded in three sixteen: for God so loved the world that He gave sacrificed his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have so making a sacrifice of his son for all the rest of us um and so that's uh that's certainly a theme there that ties in with that that lenten uh sacrifice theme um but also the sacrifice that we have to make to uh both believe and live our faith on a daily basis um this call to uh to come out into the light and that our deeds are, need to be done in God. And that also is a form of sacrifice, this daily living as a Christ follower. Um, so, yeah, and I, I riffed on this two weeks ago with the, the deny yourself. If you were to follow Jesus saying in Mark 8, if you were to uh, take to follow me, you will deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Um, for those who save their life will lose it. Those who give up their life for the sake of the gospel will save it. And we talked at length in that sermon um, and in our check-in about this this call to daily living as a follower of Christ. And that that call is present in this John passage as well. Um, certainly a belief is uh, clearly stated here, but also uh, deeds or actions that back up that belief on, on a daily basis, which itself would be a form of sacrifice, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I oftentimes think about um, 
it, as often as not, faith is a thing that I choose. Um, as often as it is a thing that I, that sort of just comes to me and I believe, I believe in this thing. Um, as often as that is, as often as that is true, it's also a thing that I, I choose. I, I choose to continue in this path. I choose to continue studying the scripture. I choose to continue to try to live at peace um, with my neighbors. Um, yeah, that there's this, this sense of um, there's a certain intentionality to it. It doesn't just just happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a call to action uh, is yeah. is an important part of that, as well as the call to belief, as well as the call to to growth. And this discipleship journey is not a uh, not a passive one; it's an active one. Um, it reminds me a little bit too of uh, Kylie's sermon when she pulled out traditional language from a prayer of confession. The this idea that we are. Uh, our sins are both things that we have done and things that we have left undone by not acting on our faith, by not living out our faith on a daily basis. And as Kylie would say, by not seeking to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty and offer welcome to the stranger and clothe the naked and visit the prisoner and the sick. Um, by not doing those things, that that is a sin, a sin of omission as opposed to a sin of commission. But both uh, our sins, both are inconsistent with living a self-sacrificial faith that we're called to live, that we're focusing on uh, in the sermon series. So I think there's some thought yeah. there. So you could talk about those things, or you could look up this Moses and the serpent story and just talk about that. Yep. Yep. Uh, of course, <laughs> the lectionary writers had to include John 14 on there. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. Wait. So like Moses lifted up his staff, the son of man must be lifted up. No, it's, um, there's a story that, um, I think there was like a, there's some sort of sickness or disease. And, and so Moses, uh, lifts up this, this sort of sacrificial snake and the snake like takes on the, on the disease for the people and, and then they're healed as a result of that. I think that's the reference. That's, and that would be a fitting reference, thinking about the Son of Man and sort of taking on the sins of the world and being healed through that. Uh, thank you. Isn't there, am I can, this is embarrassing. There's a, there's a story though, where he holds a staff and it turns into a snake or he holds a snake and it turns into a staff. Yeah, yeah, that's like one of the, because God is trying to convince him. I think this is when this happened. God's trying to convince him to go to Egypt to, to work to free the people. And it's, well, what if I go there and no one believes me? And God says, okay, well, this will be a sign. If that happens, then this is a sign that you can perform. Uh, and you can, you can lift up your staff or drop it to the ground and it'll turn, in, and it'll turn into a serpent. Okay. So I wasn't totally off base on that. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah yeah there's a snake and they yeah yeah they put it on a i don't know they do hold up the snake and yeah and i think uh if i'm that that is a scene in the charlton heston movie isn't it 
Um, the one with the staff, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But not the but one with not the one where yeah. taking on the disease of the people. Yeah. Okay. I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that all the way through. Maybe that should be homework for us, Damon. Maybe we should uh, sit down, socially distance and mask, and watch uh, the Ten Commandments together with Charlton Heston. That's that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue. But that movie probably has as much influence on a certain generation's people's views of faith as as some other things like their Sunday school lessons or that sort of thing. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, yeah, the the depictions of of religious stories that we see in pop culture mm -hmm, and references, yeah, have as much influence on us. Or even like paintings and images of Jesus um, that we see, yeah, shape and form how we how we think all that stuff. Yeah, I was uh, just over at Grace United Methodist last week, meeting with their new pastor over there, and I walked in to their south entrance, and there is a, a reproduction of the very famous painting of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And I think mm. most of us can picture that because that's an image we're all pretty familiar with. Uh, and, and I reflected on that with uh, Stephanie, the new Methodist pastor there. But then we went into their fellowship hall and there is a depiction of Jesus on the wall of their fellowship hall that was painted by a member of their church that is just stunning. Mm. And I love it. And it's, uh, it's Jesus bending down and reaching out his hand to you with the crosses in the background. And it's a kind of a modern depiction um, I, I should have taken a picture. In fact, I think I'll go back and take a picture and I'll share it because it was, it's a really powerful image of Jesus and this, this very invitational Jesus. Um, so saying, yeah. come to the light, come to light. Yeah. It fits very well with this. Uh, maybe I'll go take a picture and use it as one of my sermon illustrations this week. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. So it sounds as though you, you believe that this will preach. I uh, pistos in Greek, yes, that uh, this could preach, although I think we've talked about at least four different sermons that could be done here. Yeah, just do a little mini, four mini sermons. Oh, great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just four five-minute sermons. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's you write four or five minute sermons and I'll watch the Ten Commandments. <laughs> that may be how your brain works, but it's not how my brain works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then, are there any uh, any announcements that we that folks should be aware of? Oh, man, there's so much great stuff happening in the life of our church. To begin with, uh, we've reminded you of this every week, but we have our amazing Lenten devotional guide that was co-written by uh, Damon and Kylie Winberg, our parish associate. Uh, we hope that uh, you have been reading through this in the season of Lent. We hope that it has been meaningful to you. It's certainly been meaningful to us. Uh, and we will continue this. Uh, if you are interested in talking with other people about it, we have opportunities for three conversation groups. And even if you haven't joined any of the conversation groups to date, you're still welcome to drop in. Uh, we're doing one on Tuesdays at noon, and it's both via Zoom and in person here in the church. We're doing one on Friday mornings at 8 a.m. 
and one on Sundays at noon. And so anyone is welcome to join us as a conversation group about the Lenten devotional guide. We hope that you can do that. Um, it's been a good journey thus far. Some updates on Christian Ed. Uh, our children's Christian Ed uh, is still doing remote learning. And so Steph Brader, our director of Christian Ed is recording a lesson each week, which she posts to our church's YouTube page. And she sent home a packet uh, with some really cool stuff in it uh, for the season of Lent uh, to every household in the church that has kids. And so the videos align with the material in the packet and we're doing some really great, uh, wonderful children's Christian ed. Uh, for our middle school and high school kids, we have restarted in-person youth group on Wednesday nights. They meet from seven to 8 p.m. with uh, masks and social distancing. Uh, but how's that going, Damon? It's going really well, uh, at least for the for the senior high. So yeah, we're having a good time. This week is uh, we're going to do game night. So awesome. Uh, for adults, we have a lot of great stuff going on. Of course, we do have the Lenten devotional study groups, uh, but we also on Sunday mornings have two opportunities for adults to participate uh, with their fellow adults in growing in our faith. One is called the Heirs Apparent Bible Study. This is a group that meets, uh, and it meets both in person and via Zoom, and we're studying a book, which is across the office from me, so I'm not going to grab it right now, but it's called Visioneering, um, and it's a study of the book of Nehemiah, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, uh, and thinks about how do we set vision for our own lives using the model of Nehemiah. That's going really well. You can join us either in person or via Zoom with that. I'm helping to lead that one for the next uh, four weeks. In addition, we have uh, a really great adult forum series on the Eisenheim altarpiece. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Damon? Yeah, Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, our scholar in residence, has been using the Eisenheim altarpiece and its depiction of the crucifixion as a way of sort of springboarding into conversations about some, uh, <clears throat> I would say they're all well-known um, biblical, biblical characters and sort of sort of drawing into this, what do we know, what do we really know about Mary Magdalene, for example, and what do we not really know? What has uh, come to be <clears throat> thought of as common knowledge, even though it's maybe not really in the scriptural witness, or maybe it's a, an amalgamation, a combination of other different little pieces and parts of it. So taking a look at uh, John the Baptist, Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary, mother of Jesus is in there, the beloved disciple as well. So, and those are being done via Zoom. 9.15 Sunday mornings. If folks want to join live, they are welcome to. Just let us know. We can get you the link. Uh, those are also recorded and posted to our YouTube channel. So this past Sunday's is already up there. Uh, folks can go back and take a look and, and see how that's been going. Very efficient, Damon. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think most folks know we've restarted in-person worship. Uh, we do have a reservation system, so you can either call the church office or keep an eye out in your email and on our social media for a link to register participation. Uh, so we're inviting you to come down to in-person worship if you'd like this Sunday, March 14th. But a reminder as well, this Sunday, March 14th is daylight savings time. <sighs> okay. Spring I got that. forward. <laughs> Go get it. Losing an hour. 
Uh, but no, we uh, we've, uh, gaining we gaining fun. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we had ninety nine folks join us in person worship the first Sunday that we were back on the twenty eighth. We had uh, about eighty five last week, uh, so we're staying under that hundred number. It allows for some good social distancing in the congregation. We also do require face masks, and uh, things look a little different. There's no congregational hymn singing. Um, and people don't always get to sit in the regular pews. Although I will note that the Olivers did make it back to their regular pew this Sunday. Um, back over there. Yeah. They looked very comfortable sitting in there. Uh, I appreciated their flexibility in sitting on the opposite side of the church the first Sunday they were back, but, but they managed to get back into the regular pew this Sunday. So that was good. Um, but no guarantees. So know that you may be seated elsewhere. People who have never sat near the front of the church are experiencing that for the first time. And, Perhaps they're becoming uh, aficionados of yeah, the church they're seating. Discovering the joy of it, they're realizing the the you know the the verdancy that it's adding to their faith life. They're just blown away by it. Really, I think. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Last updates we have are just uh, Holy Week, which is actually uh, just around the corner, a few weeks away. Um, and so starting the week of March 29th, uh, we will be having uh, different Holy Week activities. Uh, we'll have a Monday Thursday service on Thursday night, which will be both in person and uh, also available via Facebook Live. Same with our Good Friday service, both at 7 p.m. And then we're going to continue our church's tradition where the Good Friday service ends at 8 p.m. and we hold a vigil until Easter morning. Uh, and so uh, we're inviting people to sign up for that. Keep an eye out in the church's uh, newsletter and the bulletin on how to sign up for the Easter prayer vigil. And then on Easter morning, it will be a celebration of Christ's resurrection. And we will all be able to be together as a church family because we're collaborating with Hastings College and doing our Easter Sunday service in the Hastings College basketball arena, the Lynn Farrell basketball arena. That has a capacity of about 4,000 people. And so we're thinking the 600 people or so that we normally have at a Easter morning service We'll be able to fit in there pretty well with lots of social distancing and space and face masks, but the chance to all worship together in person, along with our chancel choir and some brass, and it promises to be a delightful Sunday morning Easter celebration. So I think that's all I got. Anything else that I missed, Damon? I think that'll do. All right. Let's, uh, let's close then with a word of prayer. How about that? Gracious and loving God. We thank you for the passages in scripture which have made them into the hearts and minds of the people in the world. Particularly this verse of John 3.16, we thank you that you so loved the world. And the image of you reaching out your arms and embracing the world in a hug is one that sticks with me every time I hear this verse. So thank you for that warm embrace of your love for humanity, God. Continue to teach us that love through your example, and then inspire us to love through your example, and particularly through the example of your son, Jesus Christ. In the week to come, Lord, help us to, uh, to both believe and to live our faith. Remind us that we are called to share the good news of the gospel in word and in deed, and help us to do that, Lord. Inspire us, give us the courage 
Give us the wisdom and above all, give us the love. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.